coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome. As the trumpets sound and the music plays, well, not really, but as the kickoff of the college football season of 2022 is finally upon us. Yes, most of the games are next week. Yes, it's week zero. Yeah, there's only maybe a few power conference teams playing today, but it doesn't matter. College football is back. We have gotten through our preseason here on the right hash. I'm Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, joining me in the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki studios and Forget December 25th. Today is Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, I I don't even know what to say. I'm just so, I'm so happy. We're, we're speechless. We're speechless. Right now, we've got the Nebraska-Northwestern game on. We're coming to you on Saturday afternoon with this game. These games going to Austin P is taking on Western Kentucky. We're going to kind of talk about those games a little bit here on the right hash. We're going to hit you with some picks. And we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to lead off the show with our, actually, we're going to start off with some other predictions too. We're going to lead off with our college football playoff top six predictions, with if, which if you saw Desmond Howard earlier today put his list up, that was probably the quickest social media roast I've ever seen on a Saturday morning, man, when normally there's not a whole lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would have been bad enough just to have Michigan in there, but yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't know what dope he's got, but uh, the right hash needs to find out. Yeah, the right hash, we would love to, to get with Mr. Howard and see see what led him to make that decision. Um, De- but Dez is on the right hash. Let's just say that. <laughs> he is on the right hash. <laughs> so we're going to start our first quarter here with uh, playoff predictions. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we are almost thinking you're talking about the, the end. We're beginning with the end in mind here. Uh, thinking about what it's going to look like in New Year's in January here in the last weekend of August. Uh, we're playing a game in Ireland. Uh, is the, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head where the championship game is this year. It's in a, in, it was in Indianapolis last year. Do you happen to know off the top of your head? Or we like, this is like the road to whatever stadium. Uh, I don't know. Let me look real quick. Uh, Vaught Hemingway stadium. No, <laughs> why the heck did Ole Miss football pop up on the very top of the search results for the Big Ten Championship 2022? What in the world? Um, well, the college football playoff championship. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I no idea what Ole Miss is doing there. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna be we're not gonna be talking a lot about Ole Miss here here on this this first show. Fill some time. I'm finding it. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> looking up ahead in the show, we're going to pick some of our some of our week one games that happen on Thursday and Friday, not Saturday's games yet, because we'll have another episode coming next week where we will pick uh, week one Saturday games, but Thursday and Friday games, September first, September second, we're going to pick a few of those later on down the road, and we're going to talk about you know not really storylines, but just kind of personal interests. What are Alex and I both looking forward to uh, most this? Uh, 2022 college football season. Uh, so that's a, kind of the layout of our show. And then we're going to end our show today in our fourth quarter just by like just basking in it. We're going to just kind of do a potpourri of week zero, the games as they're happening today and more to come tonight, later, late night style over in Hawaii. And 
yeah, we're just, this is going to be kind of our, our kickoff of college football. Uh, and we hope, we hope you enjoy what we've got planned for you today. Have we, have we, uh, haven't, have we an answer on, on where the championship game is? I think I have located it. Uh, it is in SoFi Stadium. So oh, uh, go, going back to the Super Bowl location. Yeah, how about that? A student loan company uh, gets to host the uh, stadium name for a student loan company gets to host the college football championship. How about yeah, it? But so, don't write this one off. Yes. <laughs> so, and USC, if you're out there, it could be a big chance for you guys. But we'll dive right into it now. Um, Alex, you and I have the same top two teams. Uh, we just have them reversed. Uh, so you being an SEC guy, you've got the Crimson Tide at number one, Ohio State at number two. I have Ohio State at number one, Alabama or at number two. So yeah, our top two seeds are the same teams just reversed, but I, I don't think there's any question. We'll start with Alabama, Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner last year. I don't think there's any question that they've got some of the, the most talent in the nation and they're going to be really, really hungry because they did not win the title last year. Yeah, it's just one of those things where they have, in my opinion, the best offensive and the best defensive players in the country, and that's usually a really good thing. Um, I'm wor- I'm still a little bit concerned about them replacing the wide receivers, but I'm also not really concerned. They find a way to do it every single year, so um, that that's just kind of the unknown for me. Who is Bryce Young going to be dealing this ball to? That's literally the only question i have about alabama everything else they're number one team in the country to me you know slight margin between them and ohio state ohio state's gonna look better because they're gonna play in a softer conference but that's not to diss the big 10 ohio state has plenty of big games they have to play this year yeah and i'm i'm looking at cj stroud uh he and bryce young maybe this this could be the uh number ones and two number one and two quarterbacks taken in next year's NFL draft. Um, yeah. The reason I'm picking Ohio State is because of what you alluded to. I just think they have more returning weapons on offense. Don't forget Alabama also lost Brian Robinson uh, Jr. to the draft as well. Um, but we've talked a lot on the show about <clears throat> Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, him and C.J. Stroud are going to be uh, a dynamic duo this year. And, and when you're the one and two seed, you know, it's kind of you're wearing your home jerseys. It's it's not because you're you wouldn't play until the championship. So it's it's kind of 1A and 1B in that regard when the college football playoff brackets come out. But I'm just I'm giving the slight edge to Ohio State just because of what they've got coming back at wide receiver and at the skill positions. Yeah, it's it, it is such razor thin. I mean, yeah, but both of those teams lost to top 15 wide receivers. Think about that. Like four of the top 15 players were receivers off of both those teams. Um, just a, a, absolute crazy levels of talent at both. And I, I think they're both going to replace them just fine. So I, I don't think there's really a question at one and two, uh, really across the board, you know, national average, but, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Georgia there or, um, maybe Baylor. I just don't know if Baylor has the, the name power to make it a top one or two, but, um, Anyway, not not to ruin the surprise for the the second half of the list, but I'll go ahead and give you my my three and four. Um, I have Baylor and Georgia in that order, but I flipped them because there's not a chance that the committee's going to pit Bama versus Georgia in round one. So I think the rankings will indicate Bama, Ohio State, Baylor, Georgia, but the playoff order will be Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Baylor. Um, so that's a first uh, weekend matchup of Baylor versus Bama and Ohio State versus Georgia for me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost 3A and or 4A and 4B or 2A and 2B, just that razor thin margin between the two. And I, I think you're spot on there. I, I think that uh, ESPN, the CFP committee, the powers that be, whoever they are, uh, the men in the shadows, as I like to call them, they are not going to have an all SEC matchup in, in the first or the, the semifinals. Yeah, I think that's spot on. But I, I do have Baylor at number three, uh, like, like you originally had. Uh, I've said this before. I, I really love Dave Aranda. Wor- worked on a few of their broadcasts. Uh, they're going to re- be replacing their starting quarterback and their starting running back in Abram Smith this year. Uh, but I, I think Baylor is a much more defensive-oriented team, especially under Coach Aranda, and it's going to be one of those situations where their defense makes plays and their offense takes the opportunities and turns it into points rather than the offense being kind of the engine that drives the team. So I've got Baylor at number three, got them winning the Big 12. I also have, this might be a bit of a surprise to some people, I've got Utah at number four. I picked them to win the Pac-12 last game, and they've got a tough, tough test right off the bat at the Swamp against the Florida Gators. They win that game. They're immediately in the discussion before conference play even starts. Um, so I'm just keeping it consistent here going with uh, with the Pac-12 champion Utah at number four. Yeah, and um, so quick, just a quick note about Baylor. I really do think that their conference works in their favor this year. Um, first year under Brent Venables in uh, in Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, at the very best, they're going to be a good team with a true freshman quarterback starter. I don't see that being conference winning, especially when they went five and six last year with the bulk of that uh, squad back. Um, so. Just that that quick thought on Baylor. Um, but, yeah, Utah. I saw Utah. I don't know if – I guess you didn't get to catch the end of game day today when they were doing picks. But, um, you know, as you alluded to, Des did his. I believe the other three, uh, Corso, Pollock, and Herb Street, all had Utah in their top four. Um, everyone had Utah winning the Pac-12. So, I, I think as long as Utah doesn't have a slip game, that's the one thing Utah has is they have zero margin for error. If they have a slip game, they're out. They're not the SEC where you get a do-over. You get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Or Ohio State. If Ohio State loses to Notre Dame week one and wins out, they're in, no question. Um, not the same for Utah. If Utah messes up once, they're out, in my opinion. That's why I don't have them here. It's just way too slim a margin for them. Yeah, and going back to Baylor for a second, they are on the road both at Oklahoma on November 5th and at Texas Thanksgiving weekend. So they get their – you know their Probably their two toughest games. I, you know, Oklahoma State is a home game, uh, but just going to Nor, you know, go sorry, going to Austin is just kind of a different experience. So they they play two of their most difficult games on the road this year. Um, so keep an eye on that for Baylor. Uh, the, the non-conference, however, you know, they've got Albany in Week One uh, and Texas State in Week Three, sandwiched around a trip to BYU. That's a return game from last year. So the Baylor's got that Mrs. Fields cookie soft uh, out of conference schedule for a couple games around a test with a top 25 team. Um, but their, their conference opener is against Iowa State. Uh, that's replacing a lot. So not to get too deep into the rabbit hole with the Bears, but uh, going to my fifth team, it's a team that's been mentioned already in Georgia. And uh, Georgia, I think, is going to win the SEC East again. And the, the winner of an SEC division is not going to be left out of the discussion at the very least. No, not at all. Especially if, if you only take one win into – you know, after the SEC champion, like if Georgia goes undefeated and their only losses to Bama in the SEC championship game, they're in just like how it flipped last year. Um, they're, they're in. 
So, I, and I personally think that's what's going to happen again. That's just the only question there for me is more on the Bama side, not the Georgia side. Bama, I don't know if they're going to make it past Texas A&M or not. That should be, for my money, probably the game I'm looking forward to the most this year, just all the storylines around it with the offseason Jimbo Fisher. So my, my question is more with Bama as far as the SEC goes. I think Georgia handles the East perfectly fine. Um, I think they'll be undefeated going into the SEC championship game unless they slip to either Kentucky or Tennessee. I could see either one of those teams giving them a problem. They go, they come to Neyland Stadium. Uh, actually, we go between the hedges. They go to uh, Kroger Field to play Kentucky. Um, I, not, I, I'm just – I, I don't know what their defense is going to look like, and I don't know what their passing options look like without George Pickens. And that's my questions on Georgia. But I think there are so many other problems in the SEC East that they should be able to at least escape Tennessee and Kentucky with wins. Yeah, that uh, mid-November is going to be real telling for the Bulldogs. Uh, the, the Georgia Bulldogs, I should say. Uh, not the Maroon Bulldogs, as we call them on the, the Bulldog Sports Network. Uh, because you've got games at Mississippi State and at Kentucky back-to-back before uh, Georgia Tech comes to Sanford Stadium for the annual beatdown over the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so those, I think those two games are going to determine Georgia's playoff fate uh, and really determine whether they come out, you know, they're going to go back to Atlanta for the, uh, the SEC championship game because just, just rumblings, no real, no real numbers I have in front of me to back this up, just kind of rumblings when I was down in Athens last week. A lot of people think Kentucky is going to take a step this year and think Kentucky is going to be the top contender uh, with Georgia for the SEC, which which I'm not buying here on the right hash. I'm just saying things I've heard. Um, so I, I, that's going to be a, a showdown uh, at Kroger Field. Red and blue, I kind of like how those colors are going to clash. Um, I, I'm not even being biased here. I don't understand what people see about Kentucky. Not me either. I'm with you there. I, I didn't chime into the conversation that was had down in Athens. but um, They, they, yeah. they lost their one player from last year, Wandale Robinson, to the draft. Their one guy. I mean, they, they have Cavassier Smoke, which – you know, if it was a name battle, <laughs> Kentucky's right in there with everybody. But it's not a name battle. You actually have to win on the football field. And no matter how good Kentucky has been in the last decade, they, they just they can't beat Tennessee. They can't beat Georgia. And yeah. I, I have no idea. If anything, just pure, pure unbiased perspective, the clear team to be afraid of in the East is Tennessee with that offense. They're the only team – that is not named Alabama that put more than two touchdowns on Georgia last year. The only team. Um, I, I don't the, I don't understand. Where is the Kentucky Tennessee game this year? Uh, it is in Neyland stadium. We went there okay. and beat them 45, 42. We had 13 minutes of possession and beat them 45, 42. Wow. Love it. Love to see yeah. it. Absolutely insane game. We scored on two of the first four plays for 75 yards each and couldn't get off the field. But all all Kentucky does is the short game. Will Levis cannot throw. And not only can he not throw, he doesn't have anyone to throw it to. He can run. He's a really good running quarterback, but I don't I, I don't see it. Like they, they have a good roster. They've been good in the trenches since Stoops has been there, but I don't get it. I mean, even even Coach Calipari doesn't get it. <laughs> and, and you know like it, it's like Kentucky they got to be the stoop kids that can't be afraid to leave their stoop you know they're gonna have to do a little bit more get out of their comfort zone this year if they're gonna overtake Georgia in the SEC East they better uh, hope so. the stoops doesn't leave, th- leave them 
<laughs> Enough about Kentucky. Uh, we, we already spent like three more minutes on Kentucky than I wanted to. This, this that's episode. what I love about this. That's what I love about football, man. <laughs> I know, right, right, right. Uh, but we still, we still each we still each have one more contender to, to reveal. Uh, I'm going to go go ahead first. I've got, and, I've got two. Yeah. Oh, you do have two. So I'll let you go first. I didn't do my five or six. That's right. That's right. I did. Do, I did do my five. Georgia was my five. So my my five is Southern Cal. Um, I. I think they're the team that that Utah slips up to. I think they've got firepower that Utah might not be able to uh, to keep up with. That's not me talking down to Utah. That's I just think USC brought so much in um, that it's going to be a little bit different uh, for for Utah to see. So I've got USC winning the Pac-12. We went over that last week, and I've got USC right there on the cusp, but. I think they probably lose to like Notre Dame at the very end of the season. They probably, I think they'll be undefeated pretty much throughout the season. Get down to Notre Dame, lose to Notre Dame, drop to five, miss it by that much. Next year, we're looking at USC in the playoff. Yeah. And uh, October 15th in Salt Lake City is that showdown USC at Utah. Uh, Aunt Nalini, Uncle Jack, uh, professors at the University of Utah, a couple of my family members, they will not there be in attendance. They don't care about sports. Um, uh, my aunt studies trees, and my uncle studies ants. So, uh, <laughs> so ants the uh, the animal, not the family member. If there's some an- anticip- uh, ambiguity there, another little tangent. You know, I got a little bit of a connection to the University of Utah there, but that's going to be a-, a game I'm circling. Um, and I love these showdown games that aren't in November because you think of like you think of the last month of the season as when everything gets shaken out, but really, like it's those September and October games where teams make or break their season. Yeah, or, or at the very least, get off to a to a good start. It, it can, like the Florida-Utah game, that is going to launch one of those teams into absolutely believing that they are destined for this season. And the other team is going to be like, well, guess it's not our year. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, you're right. It absolutely makes or breaks it. But this is the only time that you can recover from. Those Thanksgiving games, you cannot recover from. If you lose one then, you're you're done, Jack. You are out of the top four. <laughs> Unless it's the SEC championship game. That's basically yeah, I, the only caveat. I was about to say, I was going to say, Georgia might have something to say about that with how their season went last year, but uh, neither here nor there. Um, my number six, maybe a little bit of a surprise, um, but that's what I like to do here on the right hash. Um, and this is full disclosure. I wanted to troll Desmond Howard a little bit. I got the Michigan State Spartans sneaking in there at number six. Uh, they lost Kenneth Walker, got to replace him, got a transfer from Colorado who's Name is escaping me right now. I literally just had it in front of me a second ago. Um, but uh, there he is. Uh, Jarek Broussard transferring from Colorado is going to slide into Kenneth Walker's role. And I'm just looking at the Big Ten East versus the Big Ten West. The Big Ten East is just so much stronger. I mean, you've got four teams in this division that realistically could contend for the playoff, you know, from what people are talking about. I, I look over to the West and I don't really see that. So I think Michigan State's going to be a lot more battle-tested this year. They do have to go to the big house, but I believe they have Ohio State coming into Spartan Stadium. Uh, I think I would take that trade-off if I was uh, if I was uh, Mel Tucker. I almost said Mark D'Antonio. Um, but, uh, yeah, Michigan State is at my six. Just kind of – just they, they've kind of been hanging around there the last couple of years, and I think this might be the year they, they, they might break through. Yeah, they also lose Quivaros Crouch. Um, off of the defense, their starting middle linebacker entered the transfer portal. For what reason, I I don't know. He was doing pretty well at Michigan State, I thought. Um, but he he was 
uh, a former Jeremy Pruitt recruit and transferred out of here when the shit hit the fan. Um, always thought he was a really good player. They lose him. That's a that's a big loss just from a you know clogging up the middle perspective, especially in a Mel Tucker defense. You you need that. He's he's got one of those nice physical defenses. He's not a finesse defensive guy. So um, I, the Big Ten will be interesting. It was a lot of fun last year as we came up to you know like week four, week five, and we had Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State, all those teams undefeated, and all of them were about to play each other in consecutive weeks. So I'm hoping we get that to line up again because that makes the you know the the Big Ten on Fox so much more interesting when you've got those big games that are actually for something being played. And I could see Michigan State coming out of the the, the scramble this year, um, a second year under Mel Tucker with his with his mega deal. So um, good pick there. I also went with a state school. Um, and it is one that both of us uh, enjoy. Oh, no. Um, I say say enjoy as much as you can enjoy their athletic department. Um, I've got the North Carolina State Wolfpack, and I don't know why I've put them here, but you and I both picked them to win the the ACC, and I think if you win the ACC over Clemson, you should should be there. Um, Here's the thing, though. The reason the state is at six is because they're going to have a resume that would have Clemson in, but they don't have Clemson's name yet. Um, that They're not going to have earned the respect of, of getting in, unless they go completely undefeated. If state goes undefeated, they're, they're in no question. Um, but if they, if they stumble somewhere, I've heard a lot of folks think they may stumble at Lu- uh, in the Louisville game. I could see that. Um, you know it's iffy, but I think I think one loss NC State makes it to about that six range if they win the 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 ACC championship. Yeah, I mean, uh, you think of Pitt winning the conference last year, playing in the uh, the Peach Bowl. Uh, that's an attractive destination for an ACC team. I know it's not the playoff, but um, looking at NC State defense, I think whatever this last week they got nine starters back on that defense. Good starters, well, nine good starters too. Um, so I'm not gonna not gonna beat that drum again, but. But if, that, you know, that, if, if the Wolfpack is where you think they're going to be, it's going to be because of that defense. That, that They need to find a secondary and tertiary solid pass receiving option um, outside of Thayer Thomas. That they're going to have to identify who replaces Emeka Amezi. Um, they're also going to have to identify the backup to to Ricky Persons with the, the migration of Bam Knight. Um, but big quarterback – quarter uh receiver he's played a long time with stifling defense shitty conference i think i think all the stars are aligning for nc state right now and if they're ever gonna do it it needs to be this year and i apologize it's actually 10 starters back for nc state the phil Steele has it laid out with the punter as part of the defense and the punter is not a returner so actually 10 out of 11 on that defense so and yeah, what, I mean, one of the reasons they stumbled so much is they got three of their massive defensive stars injured in the first two or three games last year, and they still played really well. So not only are they going to add those guys back to the defense, they also got the depth, a lot of experience last year. So they should be a deep, experienced, talented defense, which goes a long way, just as Georgia. Yeah, definitely. And there's our, our, our six uh, six playoff prediction, predicted teams. And quick tangent here, college. the way I know college football is really back is because about two or three minutes ago, Pat Fitzgerald was absolutely lighting into a referee over something. So 
anytime you see a coach going after a referee like that, you know we're back. And and now they're in the lead. So Pat Fitzgerald, keep yelling, buddy. <laughs> 17-14, Nebraska and Northwestern, the Wildcats in front at the half over, or actually a little bit before halftime, over in Ireland as the horn sounds on quarter number one. And there Hold on. you're right, Hash. The horn doesn't sound on quarter number one. I just wanted to get this out there. Nebraska sucks on all seven continents. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. There the horn for the first quarter uh, as we give you our right hash uh, playoff six predictions. Uh, we will now uh, move on to our second quarter. And this is this is where we're going to pick some games. Normally we do this at the end, kind of college game day style, but we're going we're gonna to try something different here and we're going to close out our first half of our show uh, with picks. And again, as I said at the beginning, these are going to be Thursday and Friday week one games. We're going to have a show next week where we pick Saturday's games and we're going to have a guest on that show as well. Um, so we're going to focus this time on Thursday and Friday, September 1st, September 2nd, and then do another round of picks in our next show for Saturday's games. So without further ado, our first 2022 season college football picks. Let's do this. Yeah, I don't have the exact dates for these. I just know these are the Thursday, Friday games. So um, I don't know if you have that in front of you, if you want to comment as I'm going through them. But the very first one we'll pick, this is actually one of your top five games from last week. Uh, we open with West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Oh, I love it. Give it to me, baby. I love that matchup. The the the, the battle of the blue and golds. Um, should, should be a lot of blue and gold in the stadium. <laughs> what, who I don't know who's hosting, but it's going to look like both teams are there. Uh, this game uh, is at, at Pittsburgh. There you go. Uh, Pitt, Pittsburgh is going to get a nice warm up before they meet uh, meet Tennessee, also in Pittsburgh, um, in week two. Should be a, a nice warm up. Hopefully, Pittsburgh comes into the Tennessee game with some doubts. Hopefully, West Virginia can put a little bit of doubt into Keaton Slovis and the rest of that offense. Um, Luke, what are you, what are your thoughts? Before oh, we man, get to first of all, first of all, Desmond Howard had Pitt in the playoff, I, I, which. Okay, yeah. Screw him. We're, we're done talking about Desmond Howard. I just had to get that out there. They they, they lose Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, and now they're going to the playoff. Yeah. Okay, man, I just I I love 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 the pageantry surrounding this matchup. Uh, I love that it's gonna it's gonna be a I don't know if it's gonna be a 50-50 crowd, but that it's only an hour from Morgantown to Pittsburgh on I seventy nine. It's an easy drive. There's already a lot of West Virginia alumni in the Pittsburgh area. It's going to be a fantastic atmosphere to kick off the season on a Thursday night. And I am going to go with the Pittsburgh Panthers in this one. Uh, just, I, I just mentally flipped a coin. I, I, I just, I think Slovis is going to get off to a good enough start. And I, I think Pitt is going to just get, everyone's going to be energized. I mean, they haven't had a chance to play the, this game in years and years and years. People are going to be going out, hitting each other. You know, the bands are going to be playing and, Pat Narduzzi, I think, is a fantastic coach. Very, very few coaches do less with more than Pat Narduzzi. And Pitt doesn't really know what they have coming into this year. Yeah, I think I think Pat Narduzzi is going to have something up his sleeve. I think Pitt wins this game by a touchdown. Yeah, this is the first game in the newly named Acrisure Stadium, correct? Ooh. The first like official game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get to get to set it off with actually a pretty pretty good matchup. Uh the Pittsburgh currently is a seven-point favorite. Makes sense. It's in their backyard right across the street um, from their practice facility. Uh, I'm sure if they need if they need it, I sneak Kenny Pickett across there and put him in if Keaton Slovis <laughs> isn't doing too good. Um, yeah. I I think I'm also going Pitt uh, 
what I remember from their team last year, uh, a lot of they returned like four or five of their offensive starters. I mean, uh, offensive line starters, uh, several receiving starters, a lot of their defense. So a lot of that team is back from last year. That was a really good, well-built roster. Obviously, Pat Narduzzi, uh, his name precedes him in the industry. I'm going. I'm going Pitt. I take them to cover as well. By the way, the over/under is set at 51. So experts are expecting about a 24 or 27 type of game. Um, we'll see if that happens. I, I like Pitt though. Yeah, I, I just yep. Good. Great, great game to start off the season. I, I love that. That was our first our first pick. Ex- excellent game and uh, a good one for your top five last week as well. Um, that's probably going to be about the closest one here. We picked the rest of them that had a featured team, really. Uh, so the second one we have here is TCU in Colorado. Popcorn popping out in Boulder. I like this matchup. It is an old school Big 12 team versus a new school Big 12 team uh, with all that conference realignment shit to be figured out. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the home team again. Uh, I'm going to take Colorado for no other reason than they are playing on their home field. Um, I'm going to take TCU. Uh, I talked about TCU when we were going through the Big Ten um, winner, and uh, I had picked TCU as kind of my team who I could see coming out of nowhere and winning that game. So I, I'm going to take the Horned Frogs, but uh, home field advantage, especially this time of season before you know before you had the the privilege of getting in front of a crowd, getting used to that, you know. Get, getting used to just the live environment. Sometimes that makes a huge difference in week one, so or week zero as we're <laughs> going through today. I I like I like TCU, but I I believe it's uh I think TCU is favored by six and a half. Okay, so a, a reasonable reasonable line there. I, I think I, I'm looking for that. Um, but yeah, I I, be, I believe it's like a touchdown game. Um. And that's a Friday game, by the way, ten o'clock Eastern on ESPN. TCU minus ten and a half. Okay, ten and a half. So we, okay. we undershot that a little bit. Six, six and a half, I think, was their uh, their wins on the season over under. Um, okay, ten and a half. I, I I'd still take obviously TCU. I think to cover that. I don't. Colorado wasn't a very good team and hasn't been for a little while, but still two Power Five teams. Got to mention that for Week Zero. Yeah. All right. Um, then we have. Louisiana Tech facing Mizzou. Um, again, just a, a Power 5 team that's playing before that Saturday, before the official Saturday starts. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just take Mizzou. It's an SEC team versus Louisiana Tech. Uh, about the only SEC team I would not pick to win that game is Vanderbilt. Yeah, same here. Um, Mizzou minus 19 uh, against the Louisiana Tech team that once upon a time had a really good aerial attack. Um, under Skip Holtz and uh, back under Sonny Dykes as well. Um, but they're not who they used to be. Uh, I think that Louisiana Tech is going to get swamped in this game. I know they, they played Mississippi State really t- really tight last year. Did they win that game? Louisiana? No, I, no they, did, they didn't, but they almost beat Mississippi State in Starkville. I don't expect a repeat performance. Uh, this, might be, this might be Missouri's <laughs> easiest game of the year, um, but... Uh, just given what conference they play in, um, yeah, Missouri. Yeah, the the next game here is uh, one of the only conference matchups already in the season. Uh, this is the Thursday night prime time game on Fox, uh, Penn State versus Purdue. Um, that should be an interesting game. 
I'm not sure it's going to be super close, but Vegas has it as Penn State three and a half point favorites. So they, they think it's going to be a lot closer than I do. I think Penn State probably wins this by two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm with you there. Penn State big in this one. Um, I've worked with some Penn State uh, students over the summer with uh, with the baseball team I worked for. Uh, they're not high on Sean Clifford up there, but he's back. He knows the offense, uh, whether that's a good or bad thing, that he is going to be their starter again. Uh, but they at least have that that returner uh, coming back. Uh, Purdue is going to have a new starter uh, at at quarterback, and they lost. You know, George, uh, they lost. Sorry, George Karloftis, David Bell. Uh, you know, guy, guys that helped them be giant killers in, in in recent years. But yeah, I don't I don't think they have the firepower to take down Penn State in the first week of the season. Especially last year, they knocked off two undefeated Big Ten teams uh, last year. So um, I, I guess technically Penn State will be undefeated. So may, maybe that's all Purdue needs to see is a zero in the loss spot for their opponent and they turn it to a net, another level. Um, yeah, uh, we, we, we can move on from that one. But that is your that is your Thursday night primetime game next week. Although I won't be watching it. I'll be at the real Thursday night primetime game in Knoxville or Tennessee takes on the Titans of Ball State. Um, I just want, sorry, I just want to correct myself. Aiden O'Connell is back for Purdue this year uh, yeah. at quarterback. So that doesn't change my prediction. Just they don't have a new quarterback. Over 3,000 uh, yards, I believe, last year. Almost 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns. But 11 picks. Not a great touchdown to interception ratio. Um, all right. The last one that I have of kind of, I guess, the big games is – it's not even that big. It's just one of those interstate rivalry things, and it's Virginia Tech versus ODU. This is one of those games where, similar to, like, North Carolina State versus ECU, um, that they, they don't – they're not – they don't really play that much, but it's all one inbred giant family of the same people for the most part. <laughs> um, and – uh, this this one hits home for you. Obviously, neither one of your quote unquote teams are in this one, but it's a Virginia battle. You're a Virginia guy. Um, I, I'm gonna go go ahead and say I'm taking Virginia Tech, but tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on this game. Ah, not so fast, my friend. That was a terrible Lee Corso, but <laughs> shout out to our man Reza Kucheki, one of the greatest people ever to walk this earth. Old Dominion graduate. Um, not the reason I'm picking the game, though. I, I'm picking ODU. Uh, partly out of spite for Virginia Tech and partly because last time Virginia Tech <laughs> went to Norfolk and played the Monarchs, they got a big old L to take on the bus back. Um, this is this is really intriguing for me. You hit the nail on the head, man. My home state. Um, I'm from Charlottesville, obviously. Not close to either of these two, two schools. Um, but this is – you've got the beach region of Virginia uh, with Old Dominion taking on the mountains of Virginia with Virginia Tech. And uh, this game, obviously, uh, in Norfolk. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Virginia Tech fans there. I might wager to say that there are, will be more Virginia Tech fans there than there will be Old Dominion fans. But I just, you know what? I can't pick the Hokies, man. I can't do it. Shout out again, uh, Reza Kucheki. Go ODU. And and uh, <laughs> Ali Kucheki, I believe as well. Yeah, yeah. Just and they're if you if you if you didn't know any better, you'd think they were the same person. Yeah, they they look real <laughs> similar. Uh, <laughs> uh, sh- shout out to the whole Kucheki uh, clan, dude. They're just. Ama- amazing people, great folks. Yeah, man. We've um, and Armand Kuchecki's alma mater. We've been blowing them up in the in this show too. The NC State and, Wolfpack, and then the namesake of our studios. It's it's uh it's all Kuchecki all the time over here at the right hash. Um, we've also got a couple of smaller games featuring some bad teams. Um, one comes tonight. 
uh, 10.30 p.m. out uh, out across the America's Pond, um, <laughs> all, the way, all the way in Hawaii, Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. Um, Boy, what a... <laughs> Uh, what a what an underwhelming matchup to have they, a nightcap. They tried to get this game as far away from this country as they could with, the, with keeping it in the country. Um, oh, that, I think they should schedule this one for Anchorage, Alaska next year. Um, I I don't really know who to pick, man. I I like kind of what Clark Lee has been doing at Vanderbilt, but I don't I don't know, man. Like he he's talking about becoming the best football team at Vanderbilt, like in the SEC, uh, in, in, in a couple years. And what, when I hear things like that, I, I think mental health issues, um, the guy has no hair. I'm sure there's like radiation problems from the sun getting into his brain. Um, I'm not sure what he's thinking. Fuck Vanderbilt. I'm going, I, I watched them lose to Randy Sanders and the East Tennessee, uh, state team last year. Hawaii is going to beat them. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. I'm picking the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, hopefully we get to see a Haka on the field before before the game starts. That'd be really cool. Um, but, I mean, I'm just I, I just not sold, man. I'm not sold on Carkley and Vanderbilt yet. Maybe I will be in a couple years. Uh, but right now, no. And, and to have to fly from Nashville to Hawaii, and they, they, they traveled, like, last Sunday, so they've been there for a while. I don't think that's really going to be an issue, but just get getting thrown out of your routine, man. Just having to fly. God, I, I've flown from the East Coast to Hawaii with a stop in Los Angeles before, and it was it was a you know a 13, 14 hour travel day. That that's tough. It's a tough place to play, not because of the crowd or because of how many people are there, literally, but because it's a high school stadium they're playing in with Aloha Stadium. That's it, not good for use. They're playing in a tiny stadium with bleachers. It's about as far from a college football atmosphere as you can get. And I just think for these Vanderbilt players that are used to playing in SEC environments, like when they go on the road, it's just, you're going to have to bring your own energy. And I think Hawaii is going to be a lot better at bringing their own energy. I was going to say, man, uh, Vanderbilt plays in quite the high school stadium themselves. (laughs) Uh, But at least, at least they have a seating bowl. I mean, at least it, yeah, it but, looks like a they play college football there. As a, I know nobody shows up, but the the best seat in Vanderbilt Stadium is in the hotel across the street. That's that's the truth. That is the fact of the matter. Um, uh, I can imagine. I'm going to put money on it. There will be more Vanderbilt fans at this game than there will be at any Vanderbilt home game for the rest <laughs> of the season. <laughs> this is the only place where there's going to be something enjoyable to do within the vicinity of a Vanderbilt game. Um, so I can see a lot of their, you know, stuffy doctors and lawyers and uh, what have you that goes to Vanderbilt traveling and making this their family vacation. And like, oh, honey, Vanderbilt's also going to be in Hawaii. We can go see them while we're here and just, you know, obliviously stumbling across the fact that Vanderbilt's playing football at the same time they're going to be in Hawaii. That's how I picture all of those James Bottomtooth Vanderbilt fans. <laughs> so uh, I... I I hope I hope Hawaii hawkers them into the fucking Pacific Ocean, and we never have to hear about this program again. Get them out of my conference. Get me someone else, anybody else. We don't need any of these academic people anymore. Get a, get them out of here. 
It's like it's like going to Vegas and seeing David Copperfield. Like it's like I'm not that big into music or excuse me, I'm not that big into magic. Like, but it's just like it's one of those things that you do. It's like, oh hey, they're here. It's a little sideshow to to distract us from our our, our little vacation for a little bit. Um, and I think that's exactly what's happening. If any Vanderbilt players made that or Vanderbilt fans made that trip, they're like, we're going to Hawaii. We're not going to the game. The game just happens to be there. Yeah, that that's what's going to happen here. <laughs> I mean, honestly. So um, we've gone over that game. The last two here are, I, I think, going to be closer matchups than they will be good. Um, but we've got Temple versus the newly minted fighting Mike Elkos. Um, Duke versus Temple. This is the battle of the brains. Yeah, it, it kind of is. And this game is at Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, I, You know, as much as I dislike Duke's basketball program, their football program is kind of like, you know, come on, guys, get out of your own way. Uh, it's been that way for most of my life, minus the David Cutcliffe years. Uh, I, I like to – I'm going to take Duke to get a win here and tickle me Elko's debut. I just yep. – again, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the X's and O's, but I just – I, I kind of have this feeling that he he's going to start off on the right foot. Yep, they are currently favored by seven. Um, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about either one of these teams, so I'm not making a very educated decision here. But the the first game for a coach, it's either going to go horribly or it's going to go amazingly, and it doesn't seem like there's much of a middle ground most of the time. Um, I think it's going to go great. They have a favorable first team to play against. Uh, Temple's not a slouch in comparison, but it's a, they're also not a very good football team. So it's going to be close. I'm taking the Blue Devils, though. Yeah, kind of a, a middle of the road American Athletic Conference. This isn't this isn't Cincy or UCF or Houston. We're talking about. Yeah, that they're, they're still a fine. I mean, they're a football team. They're they're going to have good players, just like Duke's going to have good players, and I think it'll be evenly matched. It just won't be one of those if you're looking for, you know fire really good fireworks there might be fireworks for all the wrong reasons in this game (laughs) um but it should be a it should be one to watch at least it'll be close it'll throw that one on your third or fourth tv and you'll be you'll be fine yeah and for what it's worth phil Steele's got temple pegged last in the american this year 11 Mm. out of 11 Uh, so so that that, that's your skinny on the owls there (laughs) there you go um and our last game that we're gonna pick is i think also gonna be somewhat uh competitive um illinois and indiana uh not not two historical football teams um i mean obviously you had the richard mendenhall days uh back at uh illinois um what was the guy uh juice that juice juice williams isaiah juice williams yeah yeah yeah, rose bowl yeah um had a really good season that year so that they've had some star power but it's been you know it's been like the stock market spikes and then it's just down for decades. Um, so what what are don't, your thoughts on this game? Illinois IU. I uh, don't forget about Michael Rowe the boat Lashore either. He was a, oh, a yeah. standout for, for Illinois. Hallelujah. Man, what what are my thoughts on this game? <laughs> I don't really know. I don't have a ton of them. I do like I, I like Big Ten football. I like that the Big Ten does this at the beginning of the year. I think it's one of those ways they kind of get their brand out in front of everyone else's by playing uh, conference games at the beginning of the season. You know the SEC doesn't do this. Uh, the ACC very rarely does this. So I, I like that we're getting conference action right away. Oh, man, I'm I'm going to go with Indiana because my aunt did her uh, master's at IU, and that's pretty much the only reason. 
I think the only reason the Big Ten opens up with Big Ten games is because everyone's obligated to start with a cupcake. Um, <laughs> uh, IU currently three and a half point favorite, so practically a pick 'em. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Indiana. That uh, they had a, a drop off year last year. They lost. Uh, just looking right here, they lost their last five games. Um, not none of them particularly close. Uh, not a sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. They lost their last eight games. Um, wow, did they only win two games last year? Yeah, and isn't Michael Penix at he's like gone Washington now or something yeah, somewhere he, else? He's gone. They've lost uh, Ty Freifogel, um, yeah, one of our favorites. Wow, I, I did not realize they only won two games last year, and none of I mean, Maryland was close, but. Literally every other game, they beat Western Kentucky by two. Good lord, this is a Vanderbilt Whew. schedule if I've ever seen one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still gonna pick them though, because oh, because I, 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 my, my, uh, I've got, I got a family member with an IU degree, and I, I, I love Bloomington. Bloomington is a great place to spend time. So, uh, there, there I, you go. For, for I was gonna, degree. I was gonna pick Indiana, but I'm just gonna walk that back now after about 30 seconds of research, and I'm gonna pick <laughs> Illinois. Um, uh, what? Well, it's that's so strange though, because I mean, who would have thought you would have had a mental breakdown after getting beat by a Jeremy Pruitt team? <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's, who would that's have, that would have made the wheels fall off. Yeah, um, that, that's that's an illustration. You know what that means? That means Indiana is still a basketball school. <laughs> yeah, they, they always have been. Um, I, I don't think their basketball coach is going to call that out though. No, definitely not. <laughs> John Calipari, if you're listening. <laughs> thank, thank you, John Calipari, for throwing a massive grenade into your harmony over there in Lexington, by the way. Yeah. I love the infighting. It's almost as good as the inbreeding. <laughs> oh, man, I just I got to watch my tongue here. But don't want to say anything about, uh, about schools I could possibly work for in the future. But there you have our, our picks, our Slim Sweets. Indies of the week. I'm sorry, I forgot to say that at the beginning. Forgot to give yep. them their name. But there you go. It's our first one of the season, and we'll have the brand name at the beginning and end of each segment now. Slim Sweets Indies of the Week. Thanks a lot to our friend Earl Sturdivant, Slim Sweets. Check him out on Facebook. Send him a message, and you can get some really good baked goods in your life uh, down in Anson, North Carolina. So there are our first round of picks Thursday and Friday games. Um, really, really just excited as they're starting to wrap up halftime as the horn sounds here on the right hash in the third quarter, getting ready to begin out in Dublin, Northwestern, and Nebraska. And with that in mind, as we're going to go just straight to our third quarter, no halftime activities planned today, we're just going to kind of kind of just take the seatbelt off and just talk a little bit about what Alex and I are each most looking forward to with this college football season, this, this isn't necessarily stuff that's been talked about in the national media. This is more stuff that we've talked about on previous shows and off air and in our text threads that, you know, we're just, we're just mainly anticipating and I'll just, I'll let you lead it off with like, what's one of the things that you're most looking forward to here in this 2022 college football season. I, I'm looking forward to having this beginning to end season of the right hash. Last year we started like week two, week Late week one, week two of the college football season. We didn't get a lot of our preseason stuff in. Um, and th this is the first year where we've had kind of that running start to a college football season. Uh, we've got a lot of our, our picks and our hunches, you know, taped and recorded and on record. Some stuff that we can actually follow along 
throughout the season. Um, I, I'm just I'm excited to a. I think we're going to try to move to maybe two episodes a week um, and just a little bit of a different timing format. Um, and I, I'm just I'm excited for the show. If I'm if I'm being honest, this this is our passion project. We don't care if one person or a million people listen to it. We're going to sit here and record it anyway, because this is what we do. We talk about football. This is a great place. Two people who love to talk about football don't mind sitting here while one of us rants about something completely off the wall in college football. And uh, it, it, it's it's kind of like male therapy. And I really, I really enjoy doing this show. So I'm excited for another 20, 30 episodes of it for this season as we include NFL as well. Um, I, 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 I couldn't be more excited, Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for for you know the community. We're gonna we we've already kind of formed around this this show. Um, uh, the guests we've had on, the listeners we have who give us feedback. Um, and uh, we'll plug this again at the end. But we still have a couple spots for our fantasy football league as well. Um, that kind of goes in line with the the community we've we've uh, cultivated here around the right hash. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning in uh, to every show. We appreciate the feedback and uh, the suggestions. I know we, we, we had a suggestion uh, to talk more soccer and we're going to be doing that uh, when the world cup comes, uh, comes to call it. Uh, so yeah, like we're really, I'm really stoked about just the, the community uh, aspect surrounding uh, this podcast. And, and with that in mind, I'll plug our next episode. We're going to have Connor Lilly on. Uh, he's going to talk some UVA football and some Detroit lions football as well. His two favorite teams. Uh, one of our OG listeners, one of my, my oldest friends, Connor Lilly will be joining us. Uh, next week, or I guess should say later this week, um, to preview uh, some week one college football and talk a little bit about his his beloved Detroit Lions. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, I'll, I'll take something on the football field, though. I'm looking forward to seeing how these first-year coaches in the ACC and, and other conferences do, but particularly, uh, we've talked about Mike Elko, Tony Elliott in his first year at Virginia, and Brett Pry at his first year in Virginia Tech. Uh, these two Programs with their coaching changes have kind of mirrored each other over the last few years. Uh, uh, Frank Beamer retiring the same year Virginia gets rid of Mike London, meaning they hired Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente and Virginia's Bronco Mendenhall at the same time. Uh, Their trajectories were kind of different at each school uh, by the end of each each, uh, coach's time at the school. The Virginia was better than where they had been. Virginia Tech was not as good as where they had been under Frank Beamer. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Brent Pry brings Virginia Tech back to being Virginia Tech and how Tony Elliott does in his first year in Charlottesville with a wealth of offensive talent, particularly at the wide receiver position. Uh, So football in the Commonwealth with two new head coaches. um, And really, by all accounts, from what I've seen in Charlottesville, they love Tony Elliott. They can't wait to see this team play. And, um, Really a great pedigree for Coach Elliott, too, coming from Clemson. Yeah, and, I mean, Tony Elliott certainly has the uh, – for me, I would much rather have that year one job than have Virginia Tech just because I think Brennan Armstrong is a fantastic handicap to have – handicap in a good way, uh, speaking kind of like golf terms. Um, fantastic to have him. Uh, had a great season last year. Like you said, there's uh, really good talent across the offense, and – Tony Elliott being one of the two orchestrators of the best ACC offense year in, year out for the last decade. Uh, Definitely a good one to get. One thing on the football field that I am looking forward to is somewhat related to this. I'm interested to see how Clemson progresses 
after losing both Brent Venables and Tony Elliott, um, you know, Clemson had been touted and, and uh, I guess appreciated and just kind of, it's almost a spectacle that they kept assistance that long, but they had their co-offensive coordinators all the way back, you know, to that game where they kicked the shit out. I think West Virginia, 70 to 17, all the way up until last season, um, and, I, you know, some of the wheels started to fall off for Clemson in a relative perspective, but uh, they still won 10 games, but now they lose their two big coordinators. I'm interested to see what, what Clemson looks like. They still seem to be re- recruiting well, but they're a, they're a big question coming into the ACC season. Um, obviously, we spoke about DJ Uwe a little bit last week. Uh, he's, I, I think, a given he's going to be good, but what does he have around him? What does the offense look like with a new play caller? Um, so I, I'm interested to see the results of Oklahoma and Virginia getting those new head coaches and w- what impact it has on Clemson. And Clemson versus NC State October 1st in Death Valley. So you get that one early, a game that could be instrumental in deciding the ACC Atlantic Division. Most Boy, likely wish, the ACC game yeah. of the year. God, I wish it was in Raleigh. God, I wish it was in Raleigh. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah, would be I, a I like massive that. tailgate game. Oh man, yeah, I I really like that. I I I you know I have beat this to death on a on on our shows, and I, I hope I'm not being too too obnoxious about it. But I do work with the Georgia Bulldogs Sports Network. Uh, this will be my first full season with them for football. Uh, this will be my first full season really diving into the pageantry and the nuts and bolts of the SEC. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about that part, man. Just just being part of the game day process for an SEC school, you know, hearing all the different, like, you know, bands at SEC stadiums, songs that they play, kind of getting, getting to know the SEC the way I've gotten to know the ACC over my, my years as a football fan and being part of, not even just because they're one of the better teams in the conference, just being part of that conference. You know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting into it with Georgia this year. And I feel like I'm going to learn a lot about this conference on the fly. I just kind of the, the little fun facts about each school and each campus, um, you know, the, the traditions and stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, when the dogs go on the road to say Mississippi state and you know the cowbells will get annoying, but it, that's a real college football atmosphere. And I'm glad I get to, you know, be a, a small part of that uh, for the dogs this year. Well, that, that is the good tradition in Starkville. Um, so <laughs> You, you already know everything there is to know about Starkville. <laughs> uh, that there's not even a McDonald's in Starkville. That's how that's how small a town it is. I mean, you know, my, Mike Leach or whoever gets off the plane, and you can just see the pastures of cows behind him. That's that's the, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about Starkville, Stark Vegas, as they like to call it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I that that that's cool. Uh, I guess it's something I take for granted, but that there is just a lot of that. Uh, there's a lot of the small, not as well known pageantry and, and traditions around the SEC that are really cool. Um, I, I don't have any in particular off the top of my head, but like re- releasing the eagle at Auburn games or yeah, the, the live mascots, man. Like this, this, yeah. is, this is the conference that has most of the live mascots. You got Mike the Tiger, you got Tusk, uh, you got you got Smokey, Georgia, of course, Smokey. I mean, it's like I don't think Kentucky has captured a wildcat yet, but I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, whatever South Carolina calls, I think, is it cocky? I think maybe it was no is cocky, cocky is the costume there. That's the guy in the costume. And then it was Sir Big Spur with the, yes, uh, Sir Big Spur. Sir Big Spur was the live chicken. Sorry, Mike. I, I knew that. I just forgot that. Um, yeah, and I think for Georgia, it's Uga is the, the, the costume dog. dog or no, Uga is the dog, the actual dog. And then Harry dog is the costume. Yeah. 
Correct. There we go. Sorry, Connor Lilly's going to get on me for that because he's a big fan of the actual dog. Um, <laughs> God, it's the ugliest mascot in the SEC. I don't understand <laughs> how you're. I got that. That's not even me throwing shade. That is just an ugly oh, yes. dog. Yeah, well, it, it's it's got a championship ring, so, so. <laughs> I don't think it's worried about the way it looks. <laughs> so do most of them. It's still, still the ugliest. Uh, I've seen a lot of ugly wives too, man. It doesn't change the fact. Uh, I I do like his doghouse though. They got that shit like air conditions, and he's got like all kinds of meals. They they got him set up like a proper English bulldog. So uh, they do go the extra mile, even when they we're not winning championships or competing for them necessarily. They've always treated that dog and its family very well. I like that. It's all the same lineage as well. S- same with yeah. Smokey. They, they, they keep yeah. that stuff. They keep that stuff in house in, in the South. You always keep it in the family. Uh, <laughs> I I'm excited to see you ca- kind of get to experience that. Cause that's been my life since I was born is the sec pageantry. Um, yeah, I ca- kind of feel like Forrest Gump with shrimp and boats is. I know all there is to know about shrimp and boats. <laughs> I know all there is to know about the SEC and SEC football, and it, it's cool to see people get indoctrinated into that. Yeah, man, I'm 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 ready to dive into it. one week from today, man. Oregon, Georgia, three thirty. We'll be we'll be in it in it for real. Yeah, um, that'll be that'll be an interesting game. I, well, by the way, we're kind of the second half is more or less just kind of a. Uh, a smorgasbord of uh, of topics and just us enjoying a nice college football Saturday uh, since there is football on. Uh, as you alluded to, uh, Northwestern and Nebraska have kicked off the second half. Uh, Nebraska's already made a stop, uh, and they, they've got the ball right now uh, inside their own 20. Um, I believe Western Kentucky is up one over Austin P right now, about halfway through the third quarter. So, De- definitely doesn't look like they're going to cover their 31 and a half point spread. Um, but again, it's always hard to project those teams that lose NFL quarterbacks. Um, yeah, per- West- particularly, particularly group of five teams. Yeah. Uh, especially, yeah, especially group of five teams. Um, obviously the Patriots thought enough of him to draft him right behind Mac Jones. Uh, I, and he's looked good in preseason too. Not, blown the wheels off of anybody but he looks good for a rookie quarterback that was taken in the fifth round uh definitely someone i could see having kind of a jimmy garoppolo role there growing behind mac jones pushing him every day and probably eventually becoming a nice trade piece for the patriots is that just seems to be their their mo um and how they always wind up with 10 15 draft picks every draft is that they do a really good job of developing their bench and trading that out so uh uh, also, really interesting stat: Austin Peay's coach is the youngest coach in college, and he is only thirty years old. This is wow. his third year there. Jesus, man! I turned thirty two months ago, <laughs> dude. It, it, he started coaching a Division One football team at twenty seven years old. I could have done without this, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I I accidentally caught that at the beginning of the broadcast. I didn't know. Uh, I I did not know that, and now That's, I just yeah, feel like is, a giant failure. Awesome. Well, well. Speaking of Group of Five, I, the, another thing I'm looking forward to before we get into our, our kind of finale with our, our potpourri uh, of Week Zero, uh, and then I'll let you go if you have anything else too. But I, I'm given the given the Group of Five a little bit of love. I'm really stoked about the Sun Belt Conference this year, particularly the East Division. You've got Marshall, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, and James Madison 
all in the same conference. I, I might have said JMU twice, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, you've got all of those teams, not only in the same conference, in the same division, playing against each other, relatively compact geographical area, um, and being having worked with Marshall the last couple of years in Conference USA. I'm really excited to see how they travel to these new teams. Huntington to Harrisonburg, not a tough trip. Huntington to Norfolk, long trip, but it's all interstate. So Marshall's going to be one of the better traveling group of five teams in the in the, the country. And with this new conference with a, a smaller geographical footprint where they're going to have to play, uh, they're, 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 they're going to be a lot of green in the stands at road games this year. And of course at Jones C. Edwards Stadium, but not just Marshall. There's going to be a lot of great games in this the fun belt this year, hashtag fun belt on those Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday nights, I think. Uh, so I'm, I'm stoked that, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're kind of those lighter nights for football. But when the Sun Belt takes center stage on those weeknights on ESPN, that's going to be appointment television. And, dude, you got uh, Marshall going to Notre Dame week two. You never know. You just never know. I know uh, uh, Steve Cotton, the voice of the herd last year, was he, he was really excited about finally getting a chance to broadcast the game. Uh, from Notre Dame Stadium, so I'm, I'm happy uh, that's happening. Uh, Steve, great dude, great broadcaster. Uh, good luck to the herd this year, replacing Grant Wells, uh, who transferred to Virginia yeah. Tech and will start for the Hokies. But, um, man, so the, the fun belt is going to live up to its name. Uh, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how JMU does in their first year in FBS, too. I don't like Notre Dame, but that that is one of those stadiums that if you're a football purist, it is a bucket list uh, stadium to go to. Um, just the – the past, the history, the I, I, I we we call a lot of it that kind of the zeitgeist. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> it, it's hard to the tradition, the ambiance. Almost, I could almost just call it ambiance. That's a weird word for it, but if you're a football purist, it, it's kind of you kind of connect with those types of places. And I think I mentioned this, but every time I walk into Neyland Stadium, we're there like an hour and a half, two hours early, and um. I just kind of look across the field and, you know, the stadium around it's changed and I'm sure the, the grass down there has changed and this and that. But just thinking about who all has stepped you know, on that 100 yard by 53 yard turf piece of grass before me and just the, the Peyton Mannings, the Eric Berries, the, you know, Reggie Whites, everyone who's played there. That's one of my favorite things to do when I go to a football stadium. And I, it would be so amazing to go to Notre Dame Stadium and do that as well. Yeah, it's like when I've when I've gone in the like the bathroom in a press box in a, in the stadium, like it's like it's like God, Bob Costas has used this bathroom. He's washed his hands in this sink. So yeah, same kind of thing. Like uh, there you go, yeah. a little bit more <laughs> toilety, thinking, but yeah. thinking, thinking of it from a thinking of it from a from a from like a broadcaster's perspective too. Like I, I get that way when I'm in a press box or like in a booth or something. Like it's like, dude, he's this guy's called a game in this uh in this this spot, you know. All right, yeah, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning made defenses look like idiots right where I'm standing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still do the same at Carter Finley, thinking about Philip Rivers or, um, you know, I mean, Mar they're a little bit more recent, Mario Williams, Russell Wilson, but those are still, those are big names. I mean, those are big time top five quarterbacks at the time they were playing people that have played on that field. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it, it always hits me a little bit different. I feel like I connect with the stadiums. Um, I feel like, a, a you know, Eliza Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries, how she had that special power to connect with animals. I feel like <laughs> I had the same thing with college football stadiums. Yeah, I, can I, just, know, yeah. I can hear what it says. I can I, I can feel what's happened there before. Um, 
Yeah, right, if, if, these, if, these walls could, if these walls could talk, like you've heard that expression before. Yeah, like, but I can hear them talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, they actually do talk to you if you're, if you're that kind of fan. Yeah, it's it, there's nothing like it. And my, my college football stadium bucket list is nowhere near checked off, even what I hoped it would be checked off by now. But COVID threw a little bit of a wrench into that, and uh, gas prices are not making it easy these days. But uh, soon – Soon, I, I want to knock off the SEC stadiums list in the next decade. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm no Clay Travis fan, but I would love to read his book about uh, when he went to all all of the SEC stadiums and uh, talked about each one. That's probably the only Clay Travis media I'd ever want to consume. But yeah, yeah. It does, that does sound really cool. Um, especially when Texas, thing, especially when Texas and Oklahoma get added, that will be yeah. another two stadiums that I really want to go see. Hopefully, they can add like I'd like for him to add Miami add Virginia Tech maybe just give me two more iconic stadiums mostly add Miami because I know the tickets will be cheap um add Virginia Tech because I want to see under Sandman I don't I don't care this is morphed into kind of a a a favorite traditions thing but I want to go see that too anyway the the last thing I'll say on looking forward to is will there be any streakers in national television televised (laughs) games this year? And will there be any coaches that just go on epic rants like Mike Gundy's rant of I'm a man, I'm 40 from 2007 or like go off on referees and get themselves ejected. Like you, you, those like sports center moments where like, like Pat Fitzgerald a few minutes ago was like screaming at the referee for something. I'm looking for like guy throws his headset guy throws his hat, you know, like you see flag on the screen, but it really is like four or five penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct. And back to the streakers too. You've got some great broadcasters who, because the TV is not allowed to show people running onto the field, will provide the play-by-play. Kevin Harlan will, will do this a lot. He's like, here's a, there's somebody running onto the field. He's at the 30, the 25, and then he is decked by security. I want to get at least one of those calls this year. That that would be great. I, I'll bet, you know, th- this year, especially with free the nipple going around, We'll probably see some more streakers, um, <laughs> but it, it, you brought you reminded me of something else I can't wait for, and that is the the ever loved Mike Leach press conference, uh, post game press conference. I, I I can't wait. I love to watch and listen to Mike Leach each and every week because you tune in for football and you never ever ever get football, um, and that is the best part about Mike Leach. He, he goes off on being a pirate or. I'm a captain of this, or did you guys know this about, you know, how crayons are made? Like, the, the dude just knows them as random shit, and he's a great Twitter follow, too. So uh, I can't wait to see Mike Leach uh, one-liners. Yeah, one of the one of college football's best personalities. He was uh, almost at Tennessee. Almost. That might, that might have to be a list for, like, a future show. Like, best personalities who we've got. That would, that would take some thinking. Uh, yeah. There's some good ones. There's some good ones. Yeah, the horn sounds here on... Wish Spurrier was still in the league. And the horn sounds here on quarter number four, or quarter number three. We moved to quarter number four for our, just kind of our final week zero, Pope Perry. And uh, uh, I'm I'm glad Steve Spurrier is not a coach anymore. I've been coached at Florida and South Carolina. And and actually, I'm glad he's not the Washington football team's coach anymore, because those were were two very, very awful years uh, with that that failed experiment. But... uh, Nebraska, yeah. Northwestern, third quarter, 17-14, good game. This is a Big Ten game. I mean, this is this is you know, moderately low scoring and you know, lots of uh, lots of kind of mistimed offense and still seems working out kinks, but but this is this is kind of what I expected from this game at least. 
I like their Northwestern helmet. They it's their whole uniform is the same except for they changed the the N on their helmet to the Ireland flag. Um, yeah, really, saw, really cool. Nebraska didn't someone, do anything, I don't think. Yeah, they, they're just wearing their standard uh, white jerseys, white helmets, red pants. But I don't think I think. Did you see that person compare the uh, the Northwestern helmet to the Miami helmet? Dude, it's exactly what I thought as soon as I saw it. I'm like, that is the exact Miami uh, colors as well. It looks good with the purple, though. I think purple is a very underrated color. I like Northwestern's yeah. color scheme. Um, yeah, it, it does kind of jump out. Um, but today, uh, later today, tonight, uh, you got a couple ACC games uh, taking center stage. You got uh, Duquesne at Duquesne at Florida State, uh, Florida A&M at North Carolina, which will be played. Um, I know Florida A&M had some travel issues last year or last uh, yesterday. Um, some eligibility issues, but they did make it to Chapel Hill. They're probably going to get the crap kicked out of them by the Tar Heels um, ahead of of um, North Carolina's trip to App State next week. That's a nice little tune-up game. Uh, so they I'll, get, I'll have my eyes on those. Did they get the 20 guys cleared, or did they just travel with like their 45 rostered guys? No, so those guys didn't get cleared. They just traveled with who's eligible. Ooh, um, yikes. So, yeah, so they have seven healthy offensive linemen for tonight's game. I mean, they were already going to get blown out. Like, this is one of those things where – like you, you're basically selling your depth, uh, their health because there's going to be guys who just get absolutely killed tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how much of that game I'm actually going to watch, but of course we talked about our uh, talked about the Vanderbilt Hawaii game uh, coming up at ten at ten thirty uh, Eastern time. That's I think four thirty Hawaiian. <laughs> um, but I mean, just like they call it Week Zero, which I I don't like because it like kind of I feel like it cheapens like what's actually happening right now as Nebraska scores. So they've gone on top uh, as this back to back, you know, back and forth game continues. Um, but it used to be, it used to be there was only like one or two games. And as recently as like three years ago, I remember it was like Miami versus Florida in Orlando. Yep. And that was like the only game that was on. And now you've got the full day. So like me personally, I don't really care that it's like mismatches or smaller schools. Like it's just football. You know, it's really interesting. We were talking about the Illinois-Indiana game. Illinois is actually going to have played two football games before the opening Saturday because they play today at 4 o'clock versus Wyoming, and they play next Friday versus Indiana. So they, they will have two full football games under their belt before the opening Saturday games. I mean, if you're an Illinois fan who also likes watching college football, that's pretty awesome because then you get to go on Saturday, you just get to sit on your ass and watch the other games and not worry about whether your team wins or loses. Yeah, but like Friday games are okay, I guess. Uh, I, this being a Saturday game is fine, but the Friday game is weird because I feel like there's just a lot of traffic involved. Um I, I don't I don't know. It's just it's weird to have a team who's going to be done with one sixth of their season before the season starts for other teams. Yeah, that it is kind of weird. And Friday, uh, yeah, Friday night games have never sat well with me because that's that's Friday nights are for high school football. That's man. high school like, football. High school I football. Mean, and when in the north they don't do that though. Yeah, but when when you play on a Friday, you rob high school kids of a chance to come to a game and experience the atmosphere because they're one playing less recruiting their recruiting weekends. Game. Yeah, it's one less recruiting weekend and. I know TV is the one who you know makes that happen, but if I'm a coach, I don't. I probably don't like Friday games. You know, well, I'm, like if I'm TV. Uh, sorry, uh, they're the Thursday night game, aren't they? They're the no. Are they Friday? Yeah, they're they're not Saturday. I know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe they're Friday. Well, I was just going to say Thursday is a different beast because then you still have the recruiting aspect of it. High school right. kids can go that type of thing. 
Uh, but those, I, I think it is Friday. Um, I'm looking here for the date. Um, yeah, Friday at eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just, just really strange. That's going to be two bye weeks during the middle of the season. Like you said, I mean, that's essentially four available Saturdays because you get the two bye weeks in the middle of the season. There's two Saturdays and the two games that they don't play on a Saturday, two more Saturdays. So you get a month's worth of Saturdays that you get to just sit back and veg on football. However, I don't think Illinois fans are probably doing that. Um, I don't know a whole lot of Illinois fans, and they're certainly not, you know, known for their rabid football fan base. Not no, no offense to the Illinois fans out there. I, I just wonder if they like, as a fan base, as a conference, do they sit around like people in the South and carve out the entire weekend for all football? Do I mean, do I, don't know. I, I don't know. I, but it, I mean, if you don't live in Chicago, what else is there to do in Illinois? I don't know. Try not to get shot. <laughs> to tip some cow. I mean, cow tipping. I mean, that's. I think that's a popular thing out there. Eat some pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try not to get blown away by the wind. I don't. Yeah. Know. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's a it's a good point. But but I mean, just going. I don't want to get too far away from the point you initially made, which was like one sixth of your season is gone before you even play on a sat on a on a true college football Saturday. Yeah, it that's feels, just. Yeah, it, it feels, it feels weird. weird. Um. <laughs> I, man, I, I'm looking at today. I, it'll be interesting to see Charlotte play today as well. They play FAU. Um, obviously, a team conference game right off the bat. Yeah, team close to us. That's on CBS Sports Network at seven. Um, nor, uh, the North Texas Mean Green playing the UTEP Miners, uh, an in-state battle tonight. Um, both of those teams are uh, at Tennessee's played both of those teams in the last five years, and they've both given us some some sort of problems. Um, that mostly had more to do with us than it did them, but they're still respectable teams. That should be a really close game. The spread's one and a half to North Texas. So if you're looking for something close, North Texas UTEP should be that tonight. Um, it definitely won't be Vanderbilt Hawaii as Hawaii will beat them 50 to seven. Um, yeah, I like that North Texas UTEP matchup. Uh, those are two really good coaches and Seth Luttrell for uh, North Texas and Dana Dimmel for Utah. Dana Dimmel has done a tremendous job. Uh, three years ago, UTEP went one and 10. Uh, they won like two games in the span of three seasons. And then Dimmel took over and uh, he's got them acting like a normal college football program. Now uh, Charlotte and FAU, that's, it's another, Will Healy is a tremendous young coach as well. Yes. Um, I think, I think he's not going to be at Charlotte for too, too much longer. Um, and FAU's got Willie Taggart at the helm. That's an, that's an mm. old name. That's an old familiar name for power conference. Uh, football fans. So yeah, Conference USA, even though they've lost some got some uh, some members and will lose more members this year, I think Charlotte, FAU, North Texas are all going to the American uh, eventually. Um, so the kind of the, the, the twilight for Conference USA, but they they get started early too. They get started with a bang. What was the Power Five job that Taggart had? Because I know he coached Western Kentucky. He was at Oregon, and then he was at Florida State. Oregon, Oregon. I, I had like I had Florida in my head that I'm like, no, idiot, that's Charlie Strong. Um, but which I mean, Strong never took that job, but uh, right, he 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 basically did, and then it fell apart there at the end. Um, yeah, I, I like Willie Taggart. I, f- I forgot he was at Oregon. Uh, Florida State is where is what was in my mind. Um, but I remember when he was at Western Kentucky, I believe he was there. Coats for their first uh, Division One game, um, yeah, FBS game, yeah. So, uh, cool, cool school, 
um, Willie Taggart. What a name. What a football name. <laughs> you know, and Florida, and uh, Florida Atlantic is one of the best atmospheres to see a football game in the country because the stadium is like less than a mile from the beach. Like if you're sitting high enough in the state seating bowl, you can see the ocean. And if you, you can like see the ocean from the press box, it's like, it's, I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's my kind of stadium right there. Did you see the renderings for the, the new Miami hurricane stadium? I did. Is that so, so what's the deal with that? Is that like, in, is that just like a concept? Is that, is there any, are, does that have legs at all? Uh, it's, it's actually David Beckham's soccer stadium. Oh. Um, but it will be where Miami would play their football games as well. It's like, it's like a, a mile right off of campus. Oh wow, that would be. I mean, that would be huge for that program. That'd be huge because yeah, I, like driving from Miami Coral Gables, which is south of the city of Miami, up to Miami Gardens, which is north of the city, just under normal circumstances sucks. But then you throw in that vintage Miami traffic, and I mean, who would who the fuck? What students are going to make that trip? None of them are. So if you get closer to campus, that that's going to help the home field advantage. Yeah. Um, uh. I don't know what the holdup is on it. I know it's a, it's only like 25,000 seats. Um, I don't know if that's what Miami is going to want to use. It's probably about all they do currently use. It's probably more than they currently use. You know, nothing against Miami. It's just they, they have a very Southern Cal type of fan base that yeah. doesn't go to the games uh, in, in mass. I'm sure that will change for Southern Cal and probably Miami uh, in the – near future as both of them seem to have big boys, you know, in, in place at the moment. So uh, especially John, John Ruiz calling the shots around there, slinging money around for recruits. They'll be back uh, in no time. I don't know if they'll stay in a 25,000 seat stadium. Yeah. And I don't know if there's plans to like expand Beckham stadium. Right? It's like, not like David Beckham can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, I, that'd be interesting though. That'd be an interesting like precedent to set where, because yeah, a lot of these more soccer specific stadiums are popping up. Uh, you know, DC just built one. Uh, so, you know, um, so you may look at like a place like Cincinnati, if they ever have to replace Nippert stadium, they could look to Cincinnati FC and be like, Hey, let's work something out with your, your, you know, so it's, it's kind of, kind of like that. Um, so I, I but, guess there's two proposals out because the, I'm looking here, the, the Beckham stadium actually looks very similar to the Miami one, but it's actually not the same that okay. it actually is two different ones. So it looks like enter Miami has Beckham's proposal, which is like 25,000, but it's got the same exact like covered bowl, but open hole in the middle concept. Uh -huh. um, and my, the Miami one, it's, it's said to be uh, Johnny Ruiz basically paying for it. Um, 65,000 uh, seats, which is right. I think it says nine miles from the school's campus. Um, as opposed to the 30 miles it is right now to Hard Rock. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah. The only problem I would have is if I go to a game and I'm blocked by a fucking palm tree, I'm going to be incensed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like palm trees, but not when I'm trying to watch football. As we had our first attempted onside kick just now of the 2022 season, and Nebraska was unsuccessful. They scored another touchdown to make it 28-17, and tried an onside kick and Northwestern was there for the recovery. So already some trickery, already some tomfoolery, man, man, I, I can't wait for more of this. 
Somewhere Didier Drogba is very happy. <laughs> Somewhere Christopher Dunn is laughing uh, from that uh, that NC State onside kick against North Carolina last year, which I just had to get in there before the end of our show today because <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. I, I love a good onside kick when you're up 11 in the middle of the third. Like, th- oh, there is yeah. no way they're expecting that. The only way it goes wrong is just a, a bad bounce or a bad kick. And it, oh, yeah, this, this, was a, this was a good kick. Bit of an unfortunate hop. Uh, clearly the Northwestern guy was very alert. Good job to him as well. Um, he hadn't turned his back to start blocking yet. So, uh, good, good awareness sets Northwestern up with good field position to try to claw back into this game. Yeah. That's, this is just, as we, uh, we reach toward the end of our show here uh, on the right hash, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man. We're going to have games to watch all day today and, uh, all rest of the fall as we, uh, we get ready to wrap up here on this episode five of season two on the right hash. Before we go though, Fantasy Football League, we still got a, a few more spots open. We're gunning for eight. I think we've got seven signed up, but we can take more. We, we got um, our so, eight this morning. Yeah, Awesome. Perfect. So we have our minimum number. The league is a go, but we still have some spots open. So if you would like to join, uh, let us know. Um, we will get you set up. We'd like to, you know, we'd like to go to 10 or 12 if we can. We're kind of like, kind of like conference expansion, but um, we do have a league this year and we're really excited. So thanks to everybody who signed up. Um, we'll be, and- we'll be drafting September 5th that evening. Um, at some point, just set it kind of the furthest date. That is Labor Day, so everyone, for the most part, will be off, but it will be late in the evening, so if you're on vacation, you'll be back in time for the draft. Um, so j- just to get that out there, we are set for a September 5th evening draft. And again, as we say at the end of every show, uh, if you would like to hear us talk about something, especially now that it's football season and you want to hear us talk about your favorite team a little bit, let us know, shoot us a message. Email us at gmail or excuse me at the right hash at gmail.com or send us a Twitter, Instagram message. Um, we would love to hear what you'd like to hear about. We are a show of the people. And um, next next episode, we've, we've already got planned out. We've got a jam-packed episode as we look forward to college football week one. And we'll get a little more NFL talk in next game as a or next show as a as Connor Lilly will join us uh, for some Detroit Lions discussion. Uh, hard knocks, of course. Focusing on the Lions this year, Dan Campbell. Uh, it, always, always fun when you get you get that you get selected for that. I, th- I know the yeah. players are enjoying that. Yeah, lo- looking forward to uh, to having Connor on, and it's nice to have a hard knocks that's not centered around like just uh, a downtrodden team. Like the Lions are, are by no measure like Super Bowl contenders, but they they are certainly trending up for all the right reasons. And it's nice to have a hard knocks that has kind of that that positive upswing to it. Um, which we haven't really had with, you know, what Cleveland and Arizona. Um, yeah, the, the Jets were on it one year. Yeah, I think. like that. That they were just looking for all of the all of the bad, you know, big brotherish type of drama. And I, I like that they're showing a team that is clearly building in positive ways. And uh, I, I like the rest of America. Absolutely adore Dan Campbell. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, I think he's he's really got Detroit looking in the right direction there, uh, which sounds weird to say because it's so rare. But I, I really think it's it's going to happen. But that's a discussion for next week, uh, next show when Connor Lilly joins us on the right hash. Well, Alex, I'm gonna I'm, I won't take any more of your Saturday. Uh, go ahead, get those four screens or however many you have in your living room, and get get football on all of them, and uh, enjoy enjoy your rest of your weekend, man. Glad glad we could do this. Yeah, dude, Jackson Falcons preseason finale just kicking off right now, too. So all things are coming up Millhouse, as they say. (laughs) 
So thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We hope you are as excited for football this year as we are, and it is finally upon us here in Week Zero. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time from Oscar Alexander Kuchecki Studios on the right hand.